welcome to episode Jean-Gabriel Pajot of the Cosmo Podcast. I'm your co-host, Colin Cudmore, and joined with me, as always, is my co-host, Trevor Shackles. We have a special guest with us today, Murray Pam of Sport News Canada, to talk about the Sens' search for head coach and president of uh, hockey operations. Uh, he'll be joining us later, so stick around until the end. But for now, just a few other Sens-related things that we like to talk about. The first of which is the Sens heading to the World Junior Championships in Slovakia. Uh, do you want to give us the rundown on that, Trevor? Slight modification. Not the World Junior Championships, but the World oh. Championships. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my bad. Um, yeah, so right now there are um, some confirmed players going, and uh, I'm sure some of the listeners have, have uh, heard these already. So Thomas Shabbat is representing Canada. Rudolf Spalser is going with Latvia. Christian Yaros is going with Sla- uh, <laughs> Slovakia. Uh, Mikkel Bodker with Denmark. Colin White with the USA. Um, as of now, it's unclear if Brady Kachuk has been asked um, or if he would go, but it seems like if he's going to be asked that he'll he'll probably go. Um, and then also Anders Nielsen, Magnus Pajarvi, and Oscar Lindbergh have been asked by Sweden, but um, we don't know if they're going just yet. So it's a, it's a decent um, crop of Sens players, even if the... The final three players, Nielsen, Pajarvi, and Lindbergh, they might not actually be senators um, in a couple months' time. But yeah, there's uh, quite a few sends uh, in, in this tournament. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while since we've had uh, um, quite, quite a few sends like, attendees. I mean, I guess some of it might have mm-hmm. to do with, with, the, with the, the times they've been in the playoffs, but um, I don't yeah. know, it's just good that they can actually play some, uh, some sort of meaningful hockey in, uh, before they head into the slumber of the offseason. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just... Just being able to watch. I mean, pretty much the only guys that would be interested in are Shabbat, Balsers, Yaros. Well, and I guess White. And so never mind. That's actually a decent amount of players to be interested in. I wouldn't really care about Bodker or any of the Swedish guys. Um, but yeah, like mainly, mainly Shabbat. If, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll have one or two highlight reel plays. And so that'll be exciting. Not that I'm going to watch the games live or anything, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, it'll be inter- interesting to see what Shabbat can do when he has a good team in front of him. True, true. That'll be that'll be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I think one topic that uh, um, is, is kind of coming up with the offseason is uh, free agency, which, I mean, mm-hmm. isn't going to start for another few months, but the Sens are going to have to make some decisions on uh, four guys right now that they have our upcoming UFAs. And uh, I'll just go through them one by one to think it's a... Uh, going to happen with them and uh first on the list uh, acquired from the vegas golden knights in the mark stone trade he's kind of a bit of a under the radar pickup is oscar winberg and he kind of uh he had a, a pretty strong end to the season right like mm-hmm. uh, like eight points in 20 games five goals um i mean he shot i think 20 percent. so i think that has a lot to do with uh yeah with that success but i don't know do you think he'd he's someone you might want to keep in the fold it depends. I mean, it, it really depends on who else they are keeping, right? Like, if they've already re-signed Brian Gibbons and Magnus Pajarvi, then I don't want them to sign him as well, you know? But I think he's a capable fourth-line center. Um, I mean, in all honesty, I think I'd rather have someone uh, like Nick Paul in that spot just because he was, you know, he did fantastically well at, at limiting shots against Um but Lindbergh was was totally fine. Uh, he was making 1.7 million this year, and I don't think he'll be making any more than that. I mean, probably around the same, maybe like 1.5 or something. So, it it depends. If I wouldn't totally be opposed to to keeping him, um, but I just don't want to. I just don't want Ottawa to keep 
all of those guys just because they're kind of similar, um, low ceiling kind of guys. But like you said, he, he did pretty well um, after he came to Ottawa. Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of a similar situation for the two other free agents with uh, um, Payarvi and Gibbons. Um, mm-hmm. There's the kind of guys you expect to plug at the bottom of the roster. And I guess it's kind of an opportunity, um, like just, just looking at what opportunities they'd be taking away from other players. So, I mean, there's, there's going to be lots of prospects that are um, playing in the AHL, had good seasons last year, and they're going to be really competing for those roster spots. Think of like, you went from like Drake Batherson, Logan Brown. There's even some under-the-radar guys like Jonathan Davidson or like um, Jack yeah. Ro- Jack Rodewald even had a surprisingly good season last year and could maybe even push for an NHL spot. And um, I, I, I don't know, but um, if you think there's, uh, of the three guys, there's, there's kind of the three that we're doing with, um, if you were to bring back one of them, which one would you choose? I would probably go with Lindbergh, I think, just because he can play center. Um for some reason, I mean, Gibbons is listed as a center on Cap Friendly, but, I mean, I'm not losing my mind. He played wing, like, with Ottawa, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Lindbergh, Lindbergh uh, he, he was capable on, on the fourth line. And and Gibbons looked pretty well, too, um, uh, while he was in Ottawa. Sort of the same thing with a, with a high shooting percentage, um, but that'll definitely regress. And someone like Pyarvi, he... He looked better uh, after Tom Pyatt left. I'll give him that, but I just, I just don't see the point in him playing over someone like Alex Fermentin or, or Philip Schlappick or something like that. So, I don't know. Just, just the fact that Lindbergh would probably be the fourth line center, and I don't think they would move him up in the lineup. I think I'd be more comfortable signing him. Um, but I could, I mean, I could see the argument for maybe someone like Gibbons as well, just because he's like a, a veteran, I guess. Yeah, see, I'd actually go uh, a different direction. I'd probably go with Magnus Pierre just because um, because he is the winger, and I think that the Sens do have quite a few um, centers pushing for spots right now. Like you already have Chris Tierney, Pajot, and Colin White anchoring the top three uh, lines, and so uh, I think guys like Philip Schlappick, uh, Logan Brown, um, who else am I missing? Uh, Nick Paul could even play center. Um, mm, and, and, that's uh, fair. And even if someone like like Josh Norris comes in. Uh, and if he starts impressing, then if he wants to give, if you want to give him a chance to um, play some NHL games, I feel like um, it, it will be pretty uh, important to at least have that, uh, like that, that, that road in front of them, so that if uh, if, if they're really performing above AHL level, they can actually get a, a chance. But uh, I don't know. I feel like PRV kind of. Um, I, I feel like he had more of an offensive spark, off, offensive spark than the other two, and I think that was just it's, uh, he's had a bit more speed. Um, a bit more energy. Maybe that's just because I've watched him a bit longer than the other two. But uh, I, I don't know. Like, um, 19 points in 80 games is nothing spectacular. Yeah. And I mean, he's never had 20 points in a season after his first uh, after his rookie season. <laughs> for sure. But and yeah. I, I mean, of, of course, we know the story of here. He really never lived up to his draft hype. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, he just stood out to me as um, kind of more invigorating player who. Uh, um, I feel more comfortable with in a very safe, like ten minute or less per night role on the fourth line. I mean, I think we can agree that Ottawa shouldn't be signing more than one of these guys, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I would be totally fine if they let all three of them go, but I would be shocked if 
if they're all gone. I I think what will happen is that Lindbergh will be resigned just because Doran was talking about how he wants him to be a senator for a long time uh, the day that he was involved in the Mark Stone trade. So I'd be kind of surprised if they didn't resign him. Yeah. Um, Should we go over? Actually, well, there's one more UFA, um, and that's Anders Nielsen. Let's go with, do you think they should resign him, and will they? I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's... I, I, I'm really torn on this, because I feel like if the Senators really want to go through a proper rebuilding phase and monitor the AHL goalies in the, in, a, in the best way possible, I think it's best to let go of Nielsen. But at the same time, like it's also, they also want to uh, um, obviously try and stay competitive um, to some degree. And, um, I mean, it's hard to put much trust in Craig Anderson at his age and at his safer sense last season in, in, in his um, diminishing performance. So um, if, if I were to be the one making the decision, I would not re-sign Nielsen. Um, I, I would give Marcus Hogberg the chance to be a backup, or if it really isn't going well, then maybe look at, like, a waiver pickup, or I don't know what else, but... Uh, um, yeah, I, I, but whether the Sens actually make the decision to re-sign him, it also might just come down to uh, a cap space issue. Like, the Sens are really under the cap right now, so if they can give him, like, two point whatever, or maybe even three million for just, like, a, a one- or two-year deal, um, maybe that will make more sense for them, just so they can have some um, more uh, known uh, insurance just behind Anderson. Perhaps, but, I mean, I think I think it'll be pretty inexcusable if they gave him uh, a contract more than one year just because i mean they've already been burned on that with both hammond and condon so yeah i'm just i mean i i think we're we see eye to eye on this as, um though just because uh you know if they do re-sign nielsen then they got anderson and nielsen in the nhl then they have all three of decord hogberg and gustafson in the ahl and and then probably one of them is going to have to go to the ECHL. And plus, Mike yeah, exactly. I know. Plus Mike Condon. So like, I mean, who knows if he's going to be healthy? I, he's sort of just on, on, uh, on the island right now. No one really knows. He's just sort of by himself. But, um, yeah, it just really clogged up. And I don't know if it was you or if it was someone else on Twitter who pointed out that because someone was saying you can never have too many goalies, and someone said. No, you absolutely can have too many goalies. And I think Ottawa would have too many if they re-signed Nielsen. And, you know, obviously, like, injuries happen, and you know, sometimes it, it works it, uh, it works out in the end. But I wouldn't want someone like Gustafson, Decord, or Hogberg, any, any one of those three, to get less playing time than they need, especially someone like Hogberg, who is, I want to say he's, yeah, I think he's turning 25 in November or December. So... He's not exactly a young, uh, up-and-coming goaltender like Gustafson, who is uh, 20 years old right now. Yeah, but, but also, like, Marcus Hogberg, like, he may not even be back next season. That's another thing to consider. Yeah, that too. So, uh, I feel like if they re-sign Dilson, that may even just spell the end of, of Hogberg in Ottawa. Um, yeah, which I think which would, would be a, a trade-off that really shouldn't be made, I don't think, so. Even more inexcusable. I mean, we're talking about Nielsen, who is pretty much like an average backup. He's nothing is special. Like it's not he's not like one of these elite backups that can sort of be like a one B type goalie. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, it, it's weird to think that both Nielsen and Hogberg are only five years apart. But I mean, in terms of yeah. like, in terms of their development curves, I guess they're uh, 
um, there's definitely a bit more of a gap there. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like after Hogberg's season, I feel like I'd be ready to give him a shot. Yeah, I, I think so, too. You know, I mean, it might seem like a bit of a leap, but, like, A, they're a rebuilding team, and B, you got to give him a shot at some point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, should we go over some of the RFAs, then? Yeah, let's go over some of the RFAs. So, for forward, there's only two. There's Colin White and Anthony DeClaire. Um, White's obviously going to be getting a, a big raise, and, and he'll uh, he'll for sure resign. But what do you think about Duclair? Yeah, Duclair is an interesting name just because we have a bit smaller of a sample size with him, um, yeah. from, just from seeing him in Ottawa, and also just that like he's been super inconsistent like everywhere he's been. Like he, he was fantastic in junior, but that's like five years ago at this point, and he uh, jumped into um, the Coyotes as a rookie after being traded from the Rangers, scored 44 points in 81 <laughs> games. I think it was with, with Max Domi. They both had their rookie season together. Yep. But, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's just been really weird ever since. Like, the, the skill set is obviously there. And that was, very, that was pretty obvious from when um, we saw him um, in his uh, 21 games with Ottawa. But, uh, um, I mean, of course, he's a guy that you want to bring back. I just really have no idea where you start with a number like that. Like, do you start at... Uh, two million, three million. I, I don't know. It kind of sounds like a decent range where you, where you'll uh, um, bridge him for a few years before, uh, um, so you can still have RFA rights after that too. I don't know if he's even going to cost that much. I mean, he signed for six hundred fifty thousand last season, so like, yeah. He, I don't know. He might be getting like less than two million. I don't think he's worth less than two million, but I don't know. I it just seems like his league wide value isn't actually that high. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd be all for bringing him back. Um, then again, I don't think he's... He definitely is a limited player. Um, I mean, like you were saying, he, he has tons of skill offensively, um, but his career high is 44 points, so I don't, he's probably more of like a guy that you want in your third line. And I was... It wasn't great to see um, Micah Blake McCurdy was showing just how bad he was defensively, you know, like how many shots he was giving up. And, you know, granted, it was in Ottawa, but still wasn't great. So he's not a perfect player by any means. So, um, you know, if he's asking for a lot of money, which I doubt he is, then I wouldn't mind moving on from him. But, um, yeah, I could easily see them signing him for like two million or maybe maybe even less. Yeah, and that'd be on a two or three year deal. Yeah. So I guess moving to the defenseman, um, there's there's only one right now that uh, is. Uh, well, actually two. Uh, who I mean, Christian Willannon. Oh, Willannon as well, right? Yeah. Um, so it's Christian Willannon and Cody Cece. I think we've already talked quite a bit about Cece, but uh, yeah. But how it'll be a, um, either assigned to a long-term deal or a trade scenario it doesn't seem like there's going to be any in between here. Um, I think our opinions on this are well documented that uh, uh, we really don't want CC extended. Um, we know what he's provided to the roster, and it hasn't been good. Um, I don't know. Anything more you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, not not too much. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, like you said, I don't, I don't think... Sorry. Yeah, let's hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I think it's there's no middle ground. He's either going to be signing a, a deal with like four or five or even more years, or he's getting traded. It's, I mean... I don't know. At this point, he is what he is. So, like, you can't just give him another bridge contract. Yeah. And so I guess the other defenseman worth watching is, is Christian Willennon. And 
Um, I mean, from what he, from how he's played, I think he's definitely deserved a one uh, like a one way deal. But do you think? Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, do, do you think the sense will even try and push for a two two way deal at this point? I don't or, know. Or is the um, or is I don't know because the left side is so jammed at this point, right? Yeah. And they're gonna have to cram in Mark Wojcicki and Ben Harper in there somewhere, and uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know how they're gonna fit him in. I, 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 he's the guy that you try to make room for, especially with the other guys they have on the roster. But uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it might be a, like a, a bridge contract. I wonder if it'll be like a one-year prove-me type thing. It, yeah. it, it, it's, it's hard to get a read on what the Senate think, think of Olenin at this point um, because he has such an impressive year in Belleville. And mm-hmm. he, he seemed to be performing well in Ottawa, but he was never really given much of a massive opportunity. So uh, yeah, I, I think we're kind of in the dark right now. Yeah, I don't know. To me, he just seems like the exact kind of player that will be undervalued and underappreciated in the Senators organization, and then he'll get traded in a few years when his value is is like at his lowest or something. I just there's something with these types of offensive defensemen that are I don't think he's bad defensively, but like maybe limited defensively. It just seems like they're not they don't love these guys, you know. Um, I think he'll end up be, I think he'll end up being better than um, Patrick Weirkoch and Chris Weidman, but he's sort of in that similar ilk. Um, but yeah, anyway, for in terms of contract, it's, I mean, I wouldn't even be actually that surprised if they were able to get him for a two-way contract just because he's, how many games has he played? It's like, I think less than an entire season, right? He's played, sure, yeah. he's like played maybe 40-something? 40, 40 yeah, 40 games. Yeah, yeah so... I actually wouldn't be that surprised at all. I mean, Ottawa usually does pretty well with re-signing their RFAs the first time, like for cheap money. So, yeah, that would be that would definitely give them some good good uh, flexibility for next season. Having said that, he shouldn't have to need a, a one-way con- sorry, yeah, a two-way contract just because he should be in the NHL the entire season. But who knows with their uh, packed left side? Yeah. And I guess there's one more RFA worth talking about, and maybe this is a bit premature, but I think it's worth starting to talk about Thomas Shabbat, who's not an RFA this season, but will mm-hmm. be eligible to sign an extension uh, on this July 1st, a year before uh, his contract expires. Um, I don't know, do you think that the Sens will try and start negotiating early with him, try and lock him up, show that uh, they have some commitment to their young players, or is it going to be uh, um, another run-of-the-mill, wait-until-as-late-as-they-can uh, type thing? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just being too optimistic on this, but I, I really feel like they're they're gonna, you know, give a lot of effort th- this summer to try to re-sign Shabbat, just to send a message to the fan base that okay, we're you know we can keep somebody, uh, especially a guy who's young coming into his prime, and really there's no excuse to to not get a deal done, and like I was saying with their. Um, when their players are first coming off their entry-level contract, they usually do a pretty good job with that. So I bet you they could get him for a decent price for, you know, I guess an eight-year contract because I would give him eight years. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that could definitely happen. They have the money, and there's really no excuse to not get a deal done, honestly. Yeah. I mean, my one concern is that he's only had one season so far where he's been at this offensive peak. Um, so do you think that's a bit premature to start uh going for eight-year negotiations after that? Or, or I mean, it should be like a, a wait-and-see, or, or is it more of a gamble where he could even have a better season next year? But then the thing is, like, his his 
price will be lower. I don't think he's going to be making like eight million or something. Maybe you can get him for six, right? Like, and then even if he's a, a step below what he was this year, he's still like a really good defenseman. He's he's still a, a top four defenseman. So I don't think you're really going to get burned in any situation unless it is seven, eight million. And then he really does regress, which I just can't see that happening. Maybe he gets fewer points, but I think he'll get better overall. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. Um, yeah, yeah from, from what he's shown so far, he really has been the Sens' number one defenseman. And, uh, I mean, he, he definitely did slow down near the end of the year, especially compared to, like, just how electric he was at the beginning. But, uh, right. um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that really says much about his, his uh, overall future. I think he's still going to be, like, an excellent player. For sure. Um, and I guess we can just finish it off with the listener questions. There was only a few today, um, but we'll go over them there. So, sorry, I just got to pull these up here. should have been ready for this. Um, yeah, so we just asked the listeners this morning on Twitter for some questions. First one comes in from Ryan Classic, friend of the show. Uh, he asks, this one's for Colin, what do you think of this Sonic the Hedgehog movie trailer? <laughs> I mean, I, I like the memes. That's really the best part. <laughs> I, I really hope that someone um, incorporates Alex Formington. Got to go fast. Ooh. I don't know. I, like I, it. I, I just want to see someone, uh, someone do that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a memer. Whatever. I know nothing about Sonic the Hedgehog, but I mean that makes sense. That would be funny. <laughs> uh, you want to take the next one? This one comes from Aaron. Uh, who is Canada's team in the playoffs, and why is it Carolina? I mean, it's definitely Carolina. Like, <laughs> who can who doesn't like the the bunch of jerks? Um, I mean, it's not Boston. Uh, normally, I would really be cheering for Columbus but I you know I want Ottawa's draft pick to be as well high or low I guess high as possible um and then other teams I mean I like cheering for the Sharks so Sharks could definitely be a team as well but I don't know how you can't not like the Hurricanes so yeah that's my team yeah it's hard not to go for the bunch of jerks I'm I'm personally a St. Louis Blues bandwagon always have been after the Suns but uh yeah, if if Dallas somehow uh, beats St. Louis, then yeah, Carolina will be the team to go for. For sure. Uh, last one comes in from Taylor G, another friend of the show. He says, thoughts on the Simpsons throwing shade at the Sens on their latest episode. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just goes to show how, how far the, the Sens' uh, misfortunes have reached in, uh, in the mainstream yeah. media. So, yeah. It is kind of insane. I mean, just like everybody knows how bad and dysfunctional the game is. I mean, we've reached Miami Marlins and Buffalo Bills and Cleveland Browns level of misery. So it's a uh, yeah, it's something else. Yeah. Yeah, that's really it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can finish it up there. But before we do, we recorded the aforementioned interview with Murray Pam before this segment. Um, so we'll cut to that right now, which was a great interview. And we hope you enjoy it. All right, so here here with Mary Pam, ready for Sporting News Canada, with the folks on the Ottawa Senators. Mary, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you guys? Yeah, we're doing great. Thanks for joining us. Um, so the topic we want to focus on today is the Sens' search for some new staff, particularly the president of hockey operations and the new head coach. So uh, just starting with the head coach first, um, before we talk about uh, specific names, uh, so what qualifications do you think the Sens are uh, specifically looking for? Uh, definitely they want a coach who has a solid record with, with the youngsters, obviously, with our up-and-coming players with the roster uh, this season. 
this past season with the you know the phasing in of Brady Kachuk and uh, Thomas Shabbat, etc. And for next season, you're going to have more younger players coming in. So there's that. So you want to have a, a good rapport with uh, young players. You want to have a uh, someone who has you know experience with imp- uh, implementing structure. Uh, this is something that this group will need. Uh, they're not going to score a lot of goals next season, obviously, with the absence of Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne. So you're going to have to probably, you know, enforce, you know, play one three one or one two two. Might have a boring, a little boring style, but you want to, you're going to keep your games close. So you want someone to instill, you know, a solid structure that everyone has, you know, that has that um, the players will buy into, and you want someone who can teach, obviously. So. There, there's a few things involved with hiring a new coach, and uh, right now, I guess Pierre Dorian is interviewing a few, a few people, and I'm, I'm sure there's a, a few more to go as well. Yeah, so I guess there's, there's a few names that have been popping up. Uh, I think Elliot Friedman confirmed a few today, and there's been some more. So Mark Crawford, obviously, is going to be interviewed for the job. So is Troy Mann, uh, coach of Belleville. Uh, also, uh, DJ Smith was confirmed uh, recently, uh, as was uh, Jacques Martin. Um, and a couple others have been popping up are, uh, um, let's see, who else is there? There's uh, Brad Shaw. Um, Correct. And Nate, and Nate Lehman. Yeah, Nate Lehman Prov- uh, from Providence, who was also the 2015 champion there. Um, Correct. I believe he's been interviewed already. Okay, so they're already in the process of interviewing right now? Yes. All right. So I guess if, if you had to pick from these coaches or someone else, is, uh, is there any particular favorite that you think that might stand out? Um, right now, I think if you can get uh, someone like Jacques Martin or Brad Shaw, I think they would be the, the, the people to me that would stand out. Uh, Brad Shaw, obviously, he um, he's well-liked in, in the hockey business. He has, you know, a dearth of experience. He was, uh, he was a head coach for a little bit. He was an interim head coach of the New York Islanders way back. And he got into a 500 record after they had uh, relieved uh, Steve Sperling of his job. He uh, assistant coach in St. Louis. He was under. He was there under three head coaches. So that's that's not that's pretty abnormal in this business to uh, be an assistant coach under three head coaches. So it shows you how valuable he is. And after being you know with Ken Hitchcock and now he's with John Tortorella and he's also an associate coach in Columbus. So uh, again, it shows you how valued he is. And to go with. You know, legendary. You know, to be an assistant, an associate coach with legendary coaches such as Ken Hitchcock and John Tortorella, that's saying something for Brad Shaw and how respected he is. And he was also assistant coach at the World Cup. Um, and when they had the Team Europe, he was a, he was an assistant coach with that club as well. And he's uh, familiar, obviously, with the aspects of the center's organization. He's from. He lives in Canada in the off season. I bumped into him myself a couple times at the Home Hardware and at the Scotiabank <laughs> um, a couple times during the summer. So, yeah. So, I mean, he's entrenched in the community as well. He obviously played with the Ottawa 67s. He played with the Ottawa Senators. So he, he understands the organization. He understands the ownership and, and the structure of the, of the organization right now, and as does Jacques Martin, obviously. Um, Obviously, he's he's well respected. He's uh, his contract is actually up, I believe, June thirtieth, uh, as far as I know, with Pittsburgh. So he's uh, he's open to head coaching again uh, as a head coach. And he was also interviewed in Buffalo. Now, I 
believe um, he was, I guess, fired by Eugene Melnick at one, um, when they, I know, after the loss uh, to Toronto mm-hmm. uh, way back. But again, who knows what the relationship's like now? I mean, that's like 15 years ago. So it's, it's a long time ago. So yeah. we'll see. But I think him and, and uh, sorry, and Bradshaw, I think would be to me the best coaches available. Um, I don't know if bringing in somebody from the NCAA right now is a good thing for this club. I think they need someone who, who can um, basically guide, you know, the players, I guess in Philadelphia, Dave Haxtell, it didn't really work out. They had one good season, but it didn't work out. And uh, Jeff Blaschel in Detroit, same thing. Um, He's still there, but it really hasn't worked out for him. So, and Dave Quinn, again, in um, in New York last year, he had a tough time, but he didn't have a very good team. So it's hard to say if the coaches coming in from NCAA are ready to take on, you know, the rigors of the NHL. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it's pretty much like uh, every two or, or three years now, uh, it seems like Ottawa's changing coaches and, and this is uh, this is becoming too frequent. And Besides uh, the search from the coach, uh, it seems like Ottawa, not it seems like Ottawa is going to try to find a president of hockey operations as well. Should we be concerned at all that the process has taken this long as it has? Like the the press release was sent out on March 23rd and we've all heard so far. The only thing we've heard so far is people denying the position such as uh, Steve Eisenman, Mike Gillis and others. Um, so, yeah, just wondering your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I was actually, yeah, and you said it was March 23rd. I was looking at the date when I actually wrote the story. It was actually, I wrote the story, uh, it was published on the 25th. So, yeah, I was looking right. at that as well today. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, you know, right now, there might be uh, people that are involved in the interview process or would like to be interviewed who are, you know, their teams are still playing. It's hard to say. Um, again, is I think there's a conundrum or some confusion maybe with, the job title itself, uh, uh, Pierre at his uh, last at the end of season midi he actually said that obviously he wants he would like someone to, you know to join the club and he would welcome you know an, an, an addition to the hockey ops. But he also said, for whatever the title is, he said uh, if for president of hockey operations or whatever that title may be. So this is where he he did say that at his midi and this is where there's some confusion because I believe Dean Lombardi was approached. I think he was the first person approached by the uh, by the league or by by the senators themselves. And um, I guess in the Sportsnet story, it came out that he he thought it was more of a senior advisor position, which he already he already was with the or is with the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. So so as a president of hockey operations. I think you'd want full autonomy where you can hire, fire, and in all the media releases and what we've heard is that they want someone to work with Pierre Dorian to assist Pierre Dorian. And this is, you know, this is how it is, you know, how it's being worded. So if you're the president, you want to have more say in your organization. So this may be something that is maybe turning off a few of the possible applicants or you know from for people from applying for the position mm-hmm. um again i think what we did here is that the league 
was seeking individuals to come, you know, to come forward and maybe and speak to maybe Eugene Melnick uh, about, you know, and, you know, about the position. So it's interesting. I'm not sure if you need someone in place by the draft or just someone for the future to come in maybe before the season starts. So it is interesting. Um, another name, well, one of the names that I actually wrote about popped up and uh, I spoke to a NHL executive on the weekend and the league was highly interested in having Don Maloney, who's the senior vice president of the Calgary Flames, step forward. And but we don't know if he has been interviewed or not. Um, I believe there was something about a month ago that he may have been interested, but it wasn't. But nothing was confirmed. Yeah. And I, I spoke to an NHL executive this weekend who said that the league would really like him to come on board if possible, because he had does have. He had what, eight years or so experience, uh, ex- vice president and GM of the Coyotes. He was uh, assistant general manager to Glenn Sather with the Rangers for, I off the top of my head, I thought it was um, probably eight, nine years maybe. I just have, I'd have to backtrack and double check. But, and obviously he was also a GM at, at the New York Islanders at one point. So he does have, you know, a wealth of experience in the position. And also he has working with, um, with let's face it, that he has work with, with a budget team in, in the Coyotes, with the Coyotes. And he did make them, in three of the seasons, three consecutive seasons, they did make the playoffs and they did win the Pacific Division at one point. And that was in 2012. And, you know, they went three rounds. So he, he does have, you know, he does have that on his resume. And obviously he's with the Calgary Flames right now. So obviously they had a banner season as well. So... Don Malone is doing something right. Is is he's in a good position right now? Does he want to leave that position and, and join the centers? That's you know, that's a question that remains to be answered. Right. And I think that's that's definitely an interesting name. And we really haven't heard that many names, um, concrete names in, in the past few weeks, besides uh, you know, people who have turned down the job. Something that you were uh, mentioning earlier though, which which I think everyone kind of founds, finds uh, peculiar is the fact that the NHL is helping along with this process. Is there any sort of precedence for this kind of thing? Because I don't remember ever seeing something like this where it seems like the NHL is essentially forcing uh, Melnick to, to add to the front office. And you know, like, does that say a lot about the organization having to, to you know, be forced to, to hire a new president of uh, hockey operations, even if he isn't really have that, title that uh the title wouldn't be equivalent to what it is with other teams yeah no i haven't i don't recall such a situation to be honest uh but i think what it is is the nhl wants somebody with with hockey experience in in ottawa they the nhl gary Bettman said numerous times that he wants to keep a club in ottawa you know and he obviously wants somebody with with hockey experience um, leading the way in Ottawa and being a representative. Obviously, unfortunately, Eugene, uh, as uh, you know, he's very passionate. Let's, let, we know that, you know. But as far as on the hockey side, Ottawa needs, you know, more experience. It's, it's quite obvious they need more people. Mm-hmm. They need more scouts. They need more amateur scouts. There's not, a, you know, maybe another pro scout even. So, they need people, and I think the the NHL is looking at Ottawa, saying, "Look, we need people, and you need people in place. 
you know, to make your organization successful. And right now there's not enough resources to do that. And you're being stretched thin. And uh, I think Buffalo Savers, um, we're in that same situation um, a few years back when they went to scouting and they basically all they did was watch video. They didn't have any, they didn't have any support. And that's when I believe, I think it was just prior to when the Pakulas took over or just when they took over and then they had to hire, you know, all different people. But um, again, yeah, I mean, they need, how do I need staff? I think also they also wanted to put uh, Eugene Melnick on the, on the back burner, obviously, um, you know, keep them owner's own and have, you know, hockey people run the hockey side. And I think that's, they probably had to sit down and, and discuss that. I can't say for sure. Cause I'm not in the, you know, I'm not in that situation and I haven't been around that. So, but again, we all know that the senators are understaffed and they do need somebody and preferably someone with experience. Yeah. So uh, obviously the person who's going to be taking the job is going to be filling the shoes of, uh, of the white Brian Murray, uh, who's quoted, uh, who's famously quoted saying for saying that uh, um, I think it was 80% of the position was managing up. And, and I guess just on the topic of, of Eugene Melnick, who uh, I guess is known for his, his passion, I guess you put it, or his, uh, I guess his volatility even, um, do you think that will still be uh, a big role for the president of hockey operations, just to uh, kind of keep him in check, or is it? Um, do you think it's going to be more focused on um, more of the hockey side of things? I th- or is that still kind of unclear I think at this point? Yeah, I think it's both, to be honest. Um, but I do think I, I think after the last couple of interviews that um, the union did, I think there's a realization. I mean, he hired a Nick. Nick Ruskowski to also speak on on his behalf. I think after this, I think they the NHL has probably spoken to him and that you know we need a face of the franchise, such as a Brian Murray type person. And I think the, Brian Murray was the buffer, right? He would, I believe, you know, he would speak to Eugene probably on a you know on a daily basis or a few times a week sort of thing and just tell him what's going on and that sort of thing. And then again, he relates to the hockey side. So I think they want someone like that. There's not many people out there. I don't think like, you know, <laughs> like there's not many people like primary period. So <laughs> to find somebody to do that, it's going to be tough. And that's maybe why some of these people, like we've heard names, you know, Trevor Linden, maybe uh, Joe Noondike, et cetera, that, that may have turned down the job because it's, it's not an easy job. And um, right now, again, it's going to take a special person to, you know, to come into the Ottawa Senators organization and uh, I guess lead the way and be the uh, focal point. All right. Last question here, Murray. Um, so you've mentioned Don Maloney as a, a potential name. Um Ron Francis has been talked about as well. I think you had him in his article and there was something about him today on, on Twitter too. Is he a name? And besides those two, is there anyone else out there that might take the job or, or is there someone that you think would be a perfect fit? I, you were kind of um, talking about Maloney a bit. So would he potentially be like the best fit for this job? Sure. I took a look at, uh, I also saw what you saw today with Ron Francis and mm-hmm. that he was, 
to get back. Maybe he even said mentioned actually as a senior advisor type role. So there's obviously there's not many roles out there such as senior yeah. advisor. So this would be it. So maybe he is interested. Maybe he's uh, maybe him and Nelly. You know how it works that that they're putting it out there. You know that he may be interested in something. You know taking position like that. Uh, obviously, Ron Francis' body of work as a hockey player. You know he's you know he's you know legend in the game. A long time uh, Whaler, Carolina Hurricane. Um, basically, as a GM, he was GM for four years. Um, basically, when the owner of the Hurricanes took over, uh, Tom Dundon, he basically swept like Francis out among others. And uh, as far as his body of work, I mean, it was. I'm not going to say it was great with the Hurricanes, but it was okay as far as in the management role. Um, he was responsible for drafting Noah Hannafin, who's been since been traded, Sebastian Aho. Um, as well, Warren Fogel, and he made the uh, trade for uh, Terabinen. So he's done a few things to bolster the roster that that exists now. Um, again, he is res- he's very respected in the business. So he's someone who um, could, I guess, take on a role like that. He's a, he's a quiet guy, though. He's he's not he's not a boisterous uh, type person. So he's more of a you know. A, he, you know, he's Lady Bing winner. He was a gentleman player, gentlemanly player. So he was just in the way he speaks, but he does command respect. So there's something about him that you could gravitate to. And as well, I saw something today, um, Dave Tippett interviewed for a coaching job in Buffalo, which I thought was kind of strange today. So maybe he's looking for a job as well. Uh, maybe not as, even as coach or as an advisor, because he was uh, hired by the Seattle club as a senior advisor when uh, okay. they were granted the, uh, well, leading up to granting the, the franchise, he was working with the uh, the owner, uh, Ted Lewicki. I'm sorry, I don't know if Ted Lewicki was the owner, but he's the, uh, I guess, the, the, the CEO or whatever, the person who was, you know, uh, trying to uh, work on the, uh, the deal with Seattle. And he was he was hired, and he was working for the Seattle franchise. But now it came to light today that he's interviewing for a coaching jobs. So that's a little interesting. So maybe he's out there as well, looking looking for a position. And maybe it's just that he doesn't want to sit tight for you know Seattle's not going to be in the league for at least a couple more years. So maybe Dave uh, Tippett doesn't want to sit you know sit tight. He wants you know to get back to work, and actually as a coach or as an advisor role i think obviously he would be an excellent choice as well if he's interested in in uh, in this position yeah well it's a uh, it's intriguing times right now um i honestly i don't think really any of us know uh where the senators are going to go with this with with both of these hires i mean we have some educated guesses like you were saying today um but i know you're a busy guy i think we can finish it off there um but before we do is there anything you want to plug before we sign off no, uh, right now I'm just going to be working on my next story, which I'm going to basically wrap up the Senator season, which I have not done still. <laughs> uh, been, the sporting is really, they've been really, uh, they've kicked into the NHL playoff mode. So they had us doing you know, our playoff predictions. I actually did the, uh, covered the Dash, Dallas Nashville series, and now I am did my uh, preview for the Columbus uh, Bruins series. And we're all getting all this playoff matchups 
wrong. So just like everybody else, all our brackets are falling. So oh, yeah. I think I got two right in the first round. Yeah. And, uh, yep. Yeah, this round I'm a little bit better. I actually took Columbus in six, and I see they're winning two one with like four minutes left in the game. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I might get this one. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So I actually haven't wrapped up the center. So hopefully in the next few days I'll, I'll get to that one, and uh, you can find my work at sportingnews.com/ca, uh, and obviously on Twitter at Pammer Hockey. Nice. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot uh, for coming on the show, Mary. Thank you, Colin and Trevor. Appreciate it. Thanks. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cosford Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at CudmoreColin and read my articles at Silver7Cents. And for Trevor, you can follow him at ShockTS and read his writing at HockeyBuzz.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at CPPointCast, where we'll be collecting future listener questions, and you can give us any suggestions. That's all for today, folks. Adios.